0: I'm going to invite you to turn in God's Word to Genesis chapter 22 this morning. Genesis chapter 22, if you don't have a Bible with you this morning, that's all right. Grab that pew Bible in the pew rack in front of you. You can find our passage on page 16 in the pew Bible. And also in your all-in booklet, you can take notes and follow along on page 59. Page 59, as we learn this morning, once again, through the life of Abraham, what it means to live in all-in life. Now we've been learning in this journey of what an all-in life looks like, and we've learned from Abraham that being all-in means following God and trusting God. It involves prioritizing God and serving God. It involves us celebrating each and every day as we see God move and and change us from the inside out and, and enjoy the favor of God's goodness and grace in our lives. And this morning, we're going to learn what it means to surrender to God. That an all in life surrenders all of who we are, all that we have back to the Lord. And we're gonna learn from one of the, in many ways, craziest stories in all of the scripture. As we see the story of Abraham and his willingness to sacrifice his one and only son, Isaac, we're going to see that Abraham was willing to offer all that he had back to the Lord. And while this story brings up a lot of questions about why God would do such a thing, we recognize that... Uh, Isaac was faithfully and and, uh, lovingly held in the hands of Almighty God, and while we don't understand it from a human perspective, we're going to see that God works all things out for the good of those he loves and are called according to his purpose. And so this morning, we're going to look at Abraham having to choose between two of the great loves of his life the God he had come to love and was serving, and the promised son that he had the joy of bringing into this world and the joy of seeing grow up. And God was going to say, which one is more important, me or the son that I've given you? We're going to learn this morning that we have a choice each and every day. Will we uh, love and worship and adore the gifts, or we worship, adore, and love the giver of those gifts. So let's turn our attention to Genesis 22 this morning. Genesis 22, I'm going to read the first 19 verses of the chapter as we learn the story of how Abraham surrendered to God. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and Abraham said, here am I. God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, and he laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took his hand, in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them, together. And Isaac said to his father, My father. And Abraham said, Here am I, my son. Isaac said, Behold the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. When they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar and there laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham said, Here am I. And the Lord said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice." So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Bersheba, And Abraham lived at Beersheba. Before I take a moment and, and take some time to pray, I want to make you aware of a prayer concern that I'm going to pray for. We learned yesterday that... Omar Sutherland, who's been a long-time missionary of our church and uh, was one of the founders of Village Bible Church when it started out in a, in a Bible study in a home. Well, Omar, who faithfully served the Lord, went home to be with the Lord yesterday and uh, lived a great life, a long life, and uh, we're very thankful that uh, he is now in the presence of the Lord. We will get you information for those that knew Omar and Rose and uh, would like to send your condolences. We'll get that information out to you, but I'll be praying for them and their family as well. So let's go to a time of prayer. Father God, we come before you, and we do thank you for your word. We thank you for what it teaches us, and Lord, thank you for living and, and uh, moving in the life of Abraham. Though a, a globe separates us in many ways, Lord, though uh, the divide of time separates us, we learn so many incredible truths of what it means to live for you and your kingdom. Thank you that Abraham, though he didn't do it perfectly, Lord, was faithful when he needed to be so that you might uh, move in great ways. Now, Lord, teach us from this incredible truth this morning. Teach us what it means to be faithful. Lord, we have many people who have gone before us and who have been faithful followers and servants of yours. Village Bible Church is here today because of the faithfulness of people like Omar and Rose Sutherland. And so our hearts grieve with Rose and their family. But Lord, our hearts are filled with joy because we saw a man live life well who surrendered his life to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we are a byproduct of one uh, family's ministry. And so, Lord, be with the Sutherland family, uh, Lord, that you would uh, share your love and, and grace. Be with their church family as they're the hands and feet of Jesus to them in this time of, of need. Lord, we are thankful that as we serve and honor you, there is great blessing in store for us, that the great and precious promises that you've given your people will be received in full uh, blessing, Lord, on the day that we see you face to face. And for that, Lord, we thank you for the life that omar lived now turn our attention to your word lord we pray and it's in christ's name we ask it amen and amen well this morning i have a question for you when was the last time you experienced a test or a trial or something that stretched you beyond measure something that you knew would bring you to the end of yourself Something so difficult, something so hard that it would cause you to wonder if you were going to be able to make it physically, mentally, emotionally, and yes, even spiritually. A test, a trying of your faith that would have you at times maybe even questioning why God was allowing such a circumstance to take place whatever that is for you and if you've walked with God for any amount of time you know and recognize that the Christian life does not make you exempt from such circumstances that a loving Heavenly Father allows his children at times to be stretched beyond what we think even we can handle but let us recognize this morning that that stretching many times goes farther than we would ever think As we look at the story of Abraham and the calling that God had given him to surrender Isaac onto an altar was beyond what seemingly human beings would be able to handle. But that's exactly what God is calling Abraham to do. Abraham is going to have to make a decision. Do I love the gift more than the giver of the gift? Am I going to protect the gifts more than protecting my walk and my relationship with the giver of all good things? You see, this morning is a special morning for us as a church. We've been on this journey that we've called all in for tomorrow, and today is Commitment Sunday. And for our church family, for those that maybe are new to the church or haven't been around, this is the day where we surrender some of what the giver of the gifts have given to us so that the kingdom of God might be advanced for many years to come and while it is not a one-to-one correlation the principles remain the same just as God called Abraham to surrender his life and all that he had to the Lord so it is that God is asking us to do the same now it's more than just a monetary gift it is all of who we are it is all that we seek to pursue and enjoy and yet As Abraham would need the confidence to be able to do that, so we need to do that. I want to give you six truths from our text this morning that come right out of the text, which will help us as we consider what it means to surrender to God this morning. Our text begins by telling us a couple things of what it means to surrender to God. Now notice in the text... In the book of Genesis chapter 22, notice we are told that God in verse 1 tested Abraham. Now I want to be really, really careful because it's easy for us to say, this seems like a temptation, that God is tempting Abraham to do something. And the Bible's very clear that God tested Abraham. You see, the devil uses temptations. The Bible's very clear, God does not tempt. But the devil does all the time. And the reason for temptations is to destroy your relationship with God. To create a a schism between you and God. And so when you say no to temptation, you are saying no to the things that the devil seeks to destroy in your life. That's why in John 10.10, 10, Jesus said the thief, that is the devil, came to steal, kill, and destroy but jesus said i have come to give you life and to give it to you in all abundance how does god give us a life of abundance he does it by being a great provider a great bestower of blessings in our lives but might i remind you that god is is the great and abundant life giver because he tests us in our faith Write this down in that outline sheet. Temptations are there to destroy us, but God's testing is there to develop us. It's there to develop us. We've got a lot of teachers in our midst, and and all of our teachers are good teachers, and when they give a test, the job isn't for the kids, when the teacher gives the test, to fail it. It is to prepare them and have them ready to not only pass the test, but to pass it with flying colors. The teacher isn't sitting there. I don't believe teachers are there sitting there saying, I want my students to fail. God gives us tests in the same way, not so that we can fail, but so that our Christ-likeness, our character, our maturity can develop in bigger and bigger ways. And so what God has been doing is God has brought Abraham into the school of faith. And he's had these little pop quizzes along the way. But what Abraham is going to have, this is the final, if you will. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is the hardest and most difficult of tests that God is going to give Abraham. And likewise, God gives us tests. God gives us moments where we can choose to follow Him and pursue Him, or we can choose to follow or pursue our own desires and our own wants. Now, amidst any test, the desire to get out of it is the human existence. To get out of it as quickly as possible. We're going to see Abraham sits and does exactly what his teacher God is asking of him until the test is done. And because of that, he harvests A great deal of righteousness for God and his glory, but even greater than that, he learns about how great God is and how important it was for him to continue to follow and honor him in all that he does. But in order to do that, we need to understand a couple things about what it means to surrender to God. First of all, when surrendering to God, we need to understand it's a challenge to our comforts. It's a challenge to our comforts. Now, we know there's a lot that's been going on. We've been chronicling the life of Abraham now for these last many weeks, and we've come to this point where God is going to test Abraham. But I want you to know in chapter 22, verse 1, the test of Abraham comes at a time of great peace. If you rewind just a couple verses, you will see that the heading uh, that is before us in chapter 21, starting in verse 22, many of your Bibles will say a treaty with Abimelech. Abimelech was one of the leading kings in all of the area of Canaan. He was the most powerful of all of them. And Abraham signs a treaty with him that allows Abraham to live in peace in the last days of his life. And so what we've got is we've got Abraham who now has traversed now for probably about 40 years. He came from Haran into Canaan when he was 75 years of age. That's when we see Abraham enter the stage in Genesis chapter 12. He's 100 years old when Isaac is born. So for 25 years, he waits on the promise of Isaac. At hundred years, Isaac is born. Now, depending on how old we think Isaac is, and there's a lot of debate on how old he could be, Isaac, or I'm sorry, Abraham could be anywhere from 110 years old to 130 years old, okay? And so what we've got is Abraham and he's living life. And the scripture tells us in Genesis 22, and after these things. Well, what are the things that have happened? The birth of Isaac... And this treaty with Abimelech. And what we learn is, this is a time of great peace, a time of great calm. Notice in chapter 21, verse 33. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree, and he plants it in Bathsheba, and he called there upon the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. Now I want you to know, for all of his days in Canaan, Abraham lived an RV life, a recreational vehicle life. That is, he went from place to place, he would set up camp for a while, and then when uh, circumstances or conditions uh, meant it was time to move, he would pick up, load everything up in the RV, and he would head to another place. And that's what Abraham did all of the days of his life. That is until chapter 21. And it says, for the first time, Abraham... Dig some roots, if you will. He plants himself, and it's seen with this tree. Now why in the world would Abraham, who's been living this RV life, moving from place to place, campsite to campsite, what would keep him from doing that? The birth of a little boy. You see, children cause us to lay down roots. Kids need stability. Kids need a place that they can call home. And Abraham seemingly plants his tree as a sign of, we're going to live here for a while. Maybe he had a thought that he was going to put a tire swing up for Isaac and it would be a place where they would play. It would be home base when when the old man and his young son played tag. This was this moment where he was going to put down roots and he was going to hang around Beersheba for a while. It is there that the word of the Lord comes to Abraham. I want you to know that when God comes to us and calls us to surrender, it will always challenge our comforts. For some of us, we have grown comfortable. For some of us, we have grown lax in living off of last year's steps of faith. Maybe the steps of faith that we had as a young child. Maybe at a time earlier in our lives where we were more faithful and more zealous for the things of God. And we've grown comfortable with where we're at. And God says, in those moments, I want to shake you up. I want to move in your heart. I want to call you to things because comfortable Christianity is not the Christianity that makes us Christ-like. God wants us to surrender. And so in this midst of comfortability, God's voice comes, and notice what he says. Abraham, I know you're comfortable. I know you're living the good life in Beersheba. I know you've got everything that you wanted, and I've blessed you in many ways. Now I've got a job for you. Now I've got a word for you. Take your son, your only son, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer them there as a burnt offering. Surrendering to God, the second truth I want you to know, always demands that we make a choice. It demands that we make a choice. So here Abraham is, he's been faithful to God, he's followed and trusted God, he's prioritized God when God has called him to, and now God has fulfilled his promise, and what Abraham now is, he's living the good life. The early steps of faithfulness are starting to come and be a blessing for him. That is why Abraham is known as one of the most faithful people in all of the scriptures. But now he's got a choice to make. Is he willing to give up the great love from an earthly perspective that he has? Isaac is what he longed for. It's what he dreamed about. It's what him and Sarah talked about. It is everything. Their minds and hearts were filled with it. And now this little boy is born. And the joy, I've had three little boys in my life. And the joy that a little boy brings, the excitement, the expectation of what's going to happen as they grow. It must have given them a new lease on life in their early hundreds to enjoy the joy of this little kid. But now he has to make a choice will he love the gift more than the giver we run into that as we enter into the time of Christmas young people remember it is the giver of the gift that you need to fall in love with not what they give gifts will come and go but it's the love that that individual gives that's the most important thing and yet we forget that when it comes to God. God gives us everything we need. God gives us all these blessings under heaven. God showers us with new mercies every morning. The faithfulness of God is a gift in and of itself. And we take the gifts and we enjoy the gifts and we, 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 uh, use the gifts and we forget the giver of the gifts. And God's asking the question this morning of Abraham in our text, and he's asking it of us this morning here in 21st century America. Do we love the gifts of God more than we love God himself? To understand that, we have to ask this question. What is or who is your Isaac? What is the most important thing you've got? Now commentaries believe one of the reasons why God may have tested Abraham is that God saw a bit of idolatry growing up in the heart of Abraham. Now, idolatry was in Abraham's history. He had come from a uh, makers of idols back in his homeland of Ur. But now, he's fallen in love with something altogether different than an idol. And you see, we run into the same problem. We think idols are things we build with gold and silver or stone. Things we fashion of which we bow down and and worship to. And you say, I don't have any idols. I'm not like that. But Abraham's learning that gifts from God can be idols. Good things can be idols. Idols. People, children, can be idols. And what we begin to recognize and know is that an idol doesn't need to be a statue. An idol can be, as one writer put it, can be anything good. Our children, our spouse, for instance, our fame, our athletic prowess, our reputation, our money, our home, our position at work, our education in school, our cars, the people we know. The degrees we earned, the money we made, the deals we closed, the classes we've taught, the friends we've cultivated in high places, the buildings we've built, the organizations we've managed, the budgets we've balanced, the books we've written, the songs we've sang, the records we made, the trips we took, the portfolios we've built, the fortunes we've amassed, the name that's in the lights... The trips we took, I already said that, the trips we took. All of those things that make us feel comfortable and safe can be idols. And what God wants us to do is surrender those would-be idols back to him. Elizabeth Elliot, in one of her books, said the process of Christian growth is one in which God breaks the idols of our lives one by one. And she goes on to say, and oh, how painful it is, because by definition, we love our idols. And so we've got this choice to make. Will we surrender to God all that we have? And what surrendering to God, listen, it does not mean that we have to put on a fire everything that's near and dear to us. Don't go home and light your house on fire, okay? And don't leave your children in there, please. Don't leave your children in there. Don't uh, throw away your car. That's not what God is asking of you to do. What God is asking of us through His Word is to live our lives open-handed to Him. That whatever God you ask me to do, I will do. Wherever you call me to go, I will go. Whatever you ask me to give, I will give. Lord, I am open to what you may ask of me. And that's all that God was asking of Abraham. Are you willing to follow? Are you willing to trust? And are you willing to prioritize me above all else? Jesus said this. Jesus said that we have a choice to make. We can go after all that the world goes after in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says, but my people will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And as we do, all the things that we're worried about, all the things that bring us anxiety, all the things we're concerned about shall be added unto you, Matthew 6, 33. And so we have a choice to make. What choice will you make? Will it be about God It will be about the gifts that he's given you. We have a choice that we have to make, just as Abraham did. Now, I want you to know, if we make the choice to surrender to God, listen to me very carefully, it will look like it's crazy to the world. It will look crazy to the world. Now, Abraham, if he was talking with any group of people, and we see some people around him, I wonder what Sarah thought. Where are you going? I'm taking our son on a trip. What are you going to do? We're going to sacrifice. I don't see you taking any sacrifice with you, Abraham. Yeah, God says we've we got to kill our son. Um, I don't think so. Think about the young men that went on the journey, the two guys that go and they're servants. They've been with Abraham, no doubt. They've seen Abraham build altars and, and give sacrifice to the Lord. And for the first time, they're seeing Abraham go with no animal to sacrifice. Abraham, what are you going to do? Now, it doesn't say he told them, but imagine if he had told them, I'm going to kill my son, the son that I've been waiting for, the son I've been hoping and dreaming for, the son that God gave me, I'm going to give back to him. What are you going to do? That seems crazy. But I want you to know, likewise, what seems crazy to us, that Abraham would do it. We live in a world of craziness ourselves, okay? So bear with me for a moment, and let me walk through your day-to-day you're leaving for church and your your neighbor sees you leave and the neighbor sees you come back and well, where were you at? I was at church well, what do you do there? well we gather together who? Oh, a bunch of people uh, what kind of people? all different kinds of people we gather in this place that we've built for this God well, what God? the God of the Bible hmm tell me about him well he's invisible You mean you've never seen him before? Nope. Nope. But he talks to me. He does. An invisible God talks to you. Yep. Well, what do you do at church? Well, we sing songs to him, the invisible God. Yep. Well, what do you sing about? How great he is, the invisible God. Yep. And then we pray to him. What does that mean? We talk to him. And what else? Well, we hear a guy talk about him for a while. How long? Oh, 45 minutes, 45 minutes about an invisible God. Yep. We love it. Amen. Thank you. Okay. What else do you do? We give money to that God, the invisible God. Uh-huh. Why? Because that invisible God sent his one and only son born of a virgin. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. By the way, you get that day off. We celebrate that. Because he came 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem, died on a cross for sins he didn't commit. By his blood being shed 2,000 years ago, it has cleansed me of all unrighteousness and now gives me an eternity in heaven. Where is heaven? I don't know. Well, what's it like better than anything in this world? Well, have you seen it? Nope. Have you seen ads for it? Nope But I believe it with all my heart and I love to worship this God. Do you see how crazy our world thinks? You got to be kidding me Your neighbor was just getting ready for the football game and you've had this whole experience of craziness and Anytime we start surrendering to God It will seem crazy you take big steps to serve God. It will be crazy. You give to God of your tithes and offerings, and people will tell you that 's crazy. You share the good news of Jesus Christ with people, and they 'll tell you you 're crazy you 'll serve with your gifts and and uh, strengths that God has given you, and people will say, "Why are you wasting time doing that? This seems crazy Surrendering to God is a crazy thought, but thanks be to God that the wisdom of God is foolishness to men And so what God is calling Abraham to and what God is calling us as a people to is crazy to the world But it is the power of God that will change lives including our own It will seem crazy. It will look crazy to the world So let's notice it will demand courage to obey Now here's what we've got. Okay, We haven't gotten very far in the text. It tells us that Abraham's going to be tested by God. Verse 1, Abraham speaks to God. Take your one and only son. Verse 2, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer them there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Notice the next words. So, in light of what God just said, Abraham rose early. That's a day to sleep in. God says, I want you to kill your kid. That's the day you get up late and have brunch, hoping that God will change his mind, right? This is a hard thing. This is a day that I am going to uh, make sure that I don't move too quickly. No, Abraham moves quickly to obey. He gets up early in the morning, and it's almost as if he's excited. He does not delay. Was it hard to trust? Yes. But Abraham had come to learn that it was so much better to do the crazy things with God than to do the same things without God. If you want to truly see God bless you in your life, you will buy into what I just said. That it is better for us to do the crazy things for God than to do the same things that make sense to men. Because that's where God works, and that's where faith works. Is It doesn't work based on man's wisdom, but on God's. So he says, I'm going to trust. I get up early, he cuts the wood, he prepares the journey. They had three days to Mount Moriah. He takes his son to the mountain, he binds him, he's about to kill him, and God shows up. Now what enables Abraham to have... The courage to obey. It is only possible, write this down, with great right conviction. I'll write that down. you got to have a proper <laughs> conviction. And so, why is Abraham willing to do this? He knows something about God. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, the, the hall of faith, Abraham is given the most coverage in all of the chapter. All the big hitters of faith, Abraham is the is the all-star of the bunch. He's the MVP in many ways. And the reason why is Abraham had a faith that believed in things that were not as if they were. And in Hebrews chapter 11, we are told that Abraham is willing to sacrifice Isaac And listen, it says to slaughter his son in the text. This is not a dainty killing. This is ripping him from limb to limb and offering him to Yahweh. And the reason why he's willing to do it, the writer of Hebrews says, it's not in Genesis, but it's in Hebrews, is because he knew that God would raise him from the dead. Okay, God. So what I'm going to do is for a moment, I'm going to experience a lot of pain and sorrow. I'm going to do that which is unspeakable. And I'm going to do it fully knowing that you've got it all under control. And that my son is going to be brought back to me. I want you to notice this conviction in the text. In Genesis 22, starting in verse 5, we are told that Abraham says to the young men who came with him, he says he, uh, on the third day, he lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. Follow the, the, the reasoning that he's got here. I and the boy, who's the boy? Help me out. What's his name? Isaac. I and Isaac will go over there and will worship and will come back. Right? we Will come again to you. So Abraham has in his mind... We're going to go up to the uh, Mount Moriah, me and my son Isaac. We're going to go over here, guys. We're going to worship for a little while. We're going to be involved in some time alone with the Lord. And then we're going to come back. Do you see that in the text? He has full thinking, full understanding that Isaac is going to come with him. Let me help you with this conviction more. Going on into verse 7 through 9 it says let's start in verse 6 and abraham took the word of the burnt offering and laid it on us on isaac his son we don't know how old isaac is some say he could have been 30 years of age and and that could have meant man the uh, the faith of isaac was awesome because what 30 year old would let their dad put him on a on a bed of uh sticks start a fire and lift up a knife to kill you no no problem dad we're good Okay, others say because of the use of the phrase lad or young boy that this is speaking that he's old enough to carry sticks Young enough that if he was to fight Abraham Abraham could subdue him or that the young boy being uh, Impressionable enough might have gone along with whatever dad told him to do We have no idea how old Isaac is and quite frankly Isaac isn't the main character in the story God is and so what we have is Isaac asking the question. Notice in the text it tells us in verses 7 and 8 that Isaac starts catching on. Isaac says, uh, Dad? Yeah, son. Here's the Timbidal translation. Yo, Dad. Um, we got the wood. We got the fire. We don't have the offering. Something's missing, Dad. Where's the offering going to come from? And Dad says, notice what Abraham says, God will provide. Those three words will be shared three more times in the text, and that place, Mount Moriah, will become a place that is known for God providing to His people. And those three words will revolutionize your surrender to God and my surrender to God. When we have the conviction that as we serve God as we honor God as we give to God as we share the goodness of God to others we can have a conviction that God will provide and if God is willing to provide then we are willing to offer all that we have all of who we are with open hands, saying Lord if you need to take it so be it because what is mine is yours, and I know just as I received that, whether it was money, whether it was a relationship, whether it was all manner of possessions, that as you take that, as I surrender that to you, you will fill my hopper as you deem necessary. And so as you provided in the past, surely you will provide in the future. Abraham has no idea how God is going to provide, but he knows God's going to. Now let me just speak very closely to what we're doing today. As a church, we're committing to give to the Lord. And that means making a choice. It means doing something that seems crazy to the world. It's something that will challenge our comforts. It'll demand courage to obey. All of these things are true of any commitment that we make. And the only way you and I will be able to do it is if we really believe with all of our heart that God will provide. That God will provide. This is why I love the Scriptures. Because the Bible is a revelation, it is a testimony of the faithfulness of God in the lives of people. We're about to enter into the Advent season, the season of Christmas, where we will see at just the right time and in just the right place, God would provide His Son. Do you know that God has talked about His provision since Genesis chapter 3? When man and woman were hopeless in their sin, God said, I will provide. There will be one who will crush the serpent's head. And you will be redeemed once and for all. Do you believe? Do you hold fast? Do you have as a core conviction in your life that if you follow God, if you trust God, if you prioritize God, that God will provide. Because if you do, then faith becomes a whole lot easier. Abraham knew. God, you're going to fix it. You're going to figure it out. If I plunge this knife into my son, you'll provide resuscitation and he'll be raised from the dead. And little does Abraham know, as he binds his son on that altar, as he goes and lifts the knife up above his head to plunge it into his son, God says, stop. I'm going to provide. Do not lay a hand, the text tells us, on your son, and as he hears the voice of God, a provision is found, a ram in the thicket, and he sees this ram, and, and it must have been an awesome sight. God, you came through. I thought you were gonna raise him from the dead, and that would have been pretty cool, but a ram showing up out of nowhere is pretty awesome as well, and it really doesn't matter, God, how you provided. You provided, and I get to keep my son. I get to enjoy my son. I get to enjoy the gifts now, as Abraham could say, that I loved God more than the gifts He's given. So what does it allow us to do? When we surrender to God, we get to celebrate God's provision. We've seen the end of the story. Isaac comes down off of the mountain And we'll go on, and we'll see in in, in Genesis chapter 24, Isaac becomes an old man, and he gets married, and we see that Isaac has children, and the story continues on. Isaac does not find his end on Mount Moriah. And for the rest of the days of Abraham's life, every time he saw Isaac, he would say, God provided But the only way that he could see the hand of God is if he was willing to open his closed hands to a God who promises to provide. And that's where God has us as people. Do we believe God will provide as we serve Him? Do we believe God will provide as we stick out our necks for Him and His kingdom as we share it with others? Do we believe God will provide us? We give our tithes and offerings to the Lord. With that conviction, we are able to look back and see what our service and what our proclamation of the gospel and what our gifts and offerings to the Lord have done. They've given us an opportunity to see God provide. And we get to celebrate that. Imagine what the response must have been of Abraham as he's running down the mountain at over a hundred years of age. Think about how Isaac is feeling. That ram came at the right time. I'm alive. And I've seen God test my dad. And I've seen my dad trust God. And I've seen God come through. What a story and testimony to our children. That when we surrender to God, they see God providing to mom and dad. An incredible story about giving what is most important to us back to the Lord. And allowing God to take that which seems crazy in the world's eyes, to use it for our good and for His glory. Now, as we said, today is a special day for us as a church. And it's an opportunity for us who have been a part of this journey to commit to the Lord, to surrender. And I just want to highlight a couple of things. So I'm going to invite Josh and the worship team back up. And I, I want to remind you of a couple of things that were said on the video. Number one, if you're a guest, stay with us to the end of the service. This is for our people. And uh, your, your whole purpose here today was just to enjoy... Uh, our worship and our um, Love of our God and our, our ability to share that with you number two Maybe you didn't come to give today, but you're in a process of committing keep praying Commitments can go at any time This is our opportunity to do it as a church And if you're praying and still want to participate write I'm praying on that on that commitment card that you were given this morning if you've already turned in a commitment card at one of our other gatherings, that's okay. Right, I've already committed. But we want you to participate in this as a sign of unity and solidarity. Remember, this is, why are we doing this Is a way for you to communicate not only to God, but to your leaders as we plan. Now here's what I want to remind you of. We know that circumstances can change. And this isn't a promise. This is a plan. God, my plan is to live out this commitment. But we know things change. We know circumstances change. And we don't want anybody to be in bondage with regards to that. And so I'm going to pray and then I'm going to ask Josh to play. And if you uh, have come ready to give, um, we want you to come forward and just place your commitment between you and the Lord in the basket before me. And uh, Josh will close our time out uh, after a, a couple opportunities to sing. So let's pray. Father God, we come before you and we thank you for this incredible story of Abraham and Isaac, the love that he had for you, the willingness to trust you and follow you, to prioritize you above all things. And Lord, while you're not asking us to sacrifice or surrender our one and only son, We are here because that's exactly what you did. And we praise you for that. Now out of gratitude of our hearts, Lord, and in small ways, we want to give back to you. I thank you for a church that's willing to take big steps of faith for you. And I pray, Lord, as we commit ourselves in new and fresh ways, not only with monetary commitments, but with all of our lives, that you may use them to not only bring a great amount of good and Christ-like development in our life, but that you may use what is given to further your kingdom in places all over the world like we heard in Argentina, that you may use it to change lives. Now, Lord, in this special moment, I pray that you might see the open hearts of your people as they surrender back to you. We love you, and we know you will provide. And we believe it with all our hearts. And so we give it generously. We give it with great joy in our hearts because we love you and love what you've done for us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.